Thank you. Am I on? Hi, as was mentioned, I'm Katie. It is such a privilege and a joy to be speaking this evening. Um, a few weeks ago, Ben, who leads the church, spoke to us from our Exodus series on the Ten Commandments, and he focused in specifically on the Fourth Commandment about observing the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. And this message is something of a follow-up to that one, a part two if you will. I'm really looking forward to it because this is something that Jesus has been talking to me about over the last year. It's something that um, I've gone on a bit of a journey with myself. So as well as um, what God has to say through the passage, I feel like I've got a bit of a testimony in this that I'd love to share um, with you guys. So if you heard it a few weeks ago and you were inspired and you diligently went away and made some changes and set some things in motion, then Consider this just an encouragement and something that will spur you on in your conviction to pursue a Sabbath, a rest day with God. If you heard it and you thought, that's such a great message, and then life happened as it always does and you forgot, then don't worry. This is a gentle reminder and encouragement from God that this is something he wants to talk to us as a church about at the minute. And if you weren't here three weeks ago, then you're just thinking, what are you on about? Get on with it. So I will begin. (laughs) As a church, we are working through the book of Exodus together. It's the second book in the Bible. So far, we've seen God's people, the Israelites, crying out to God from their oppression, their slavery in Egypt. We've seen them delivered through a series of miracles into a wilderness um, where God is with them, he's providing for them, he's teaching them who he is, what he's like, and what it is to live with him and for him. He's drawn them out to draw them in. And our passage this evening is one of several in Exodus detailing God's instruction for the Sabbath, the holy day that the Israelites are, to set apart to be with him. So we're looking at Exodus 31, verses 12 to 18. I'm reading from um, the NIV, so if you've got um, your Bible, you can follow along, or an app on your phone. Um, Otherwise, the words will just come up on the screen. So in my Bible, it's titled, The Sabbath, and it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So, as I've said, this um, instruction for keeping the Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments, in God's holy law, and it's here, and it's in several other places throughout Exodus as well. And I feel like this is something that God repeats because God knows what people are like. He knows that we need reminders. He knows that we're a bit forgetful. And especially when we consider where the Israelites have just come from, they've come from 400 years of slavery. This is not something they're used to. The concept of a day off and the concept of rest is not something known to them. They have been worked brutally hard by cruel masters and not allowed any time for rest. 
So this is something that God really wants to um, get across to them, that this is part of what life with him looks like, that the life that he has called them into is dramatically different, incredibly different from the life that they've left. And I think that's kind of similar for us as well this evening. If you're anything like me, then this is not something that comes naturally, and I feel like our culture equally doesn't um, celebrate rest. Rest is seen as um, a weakness and... um, just keeping on going forever and being very busy is seen as a strength. So I think that by his spirit tonight, Jesus wants to remind us and um, prompt us again that this is something that's important to him and it's something that he wants us to enjoy. There are three things that um, stand out to me when I look at this passage about what the Sabbath is and about how we are to approach it. And the first is um, just how significant the Sabbath is to God. So um, at the beginning in verse 13, it says, you must observe my Sabbaths. This is not something that is optional. This is not a suggestion from God. He's not saying, I've got a good idea. What do you think, Moses? He's saying, you must. This is a commandment. This is why it's part of the the Ten Commandments. This is um, so significant to God. It's not optional. And when it's found in the Ten Commandments, it's not even just one of the Ten Commandments, but it's actually the longest commandment. Um, God has given it the most words um, in Hebrew to explain this commandment to his people. This is how um, significant it is to him. And it's not just for some people. It's not just for the people who are particularly tired or really want a rest. This is for the whole nation. This is for the whole people of God. This is weaved into the very fabric of their society that they are to work for six days and then rest for one. This is a system that God's put in place um, for everyone to be able to rest. So whether you're free, slave, even the animals would have been rested on this seventh day. And you might have noticed that it says, you must observe my Sabbaths, plural. Um, It's not a typo. This is um, part of a wider system, uh, a calendar of feasts and festivals that God has put together for his people. Um, For example, in Exodus 23, it talks about um, the Sabbath year for the land. So not only are the people going to have a rest, the animals are going to have a rest, the land itself is going to rest. The Israelites are told to work the land for six years and then to rest it for a year. So this is significant to God. And we also see its significance in that there's a very strict, harsh penalty a harsh punishment if this law is disobeyed. It says multiple times that the penalty for disobeying rest on the Sabbath is death, that any Israelite that doesn't do it is to be cut off from their people, put to death. And this is because God takes his glory and the good of his people very seriously, that this is of utmost importance to him. I have experienced this in my own life in a way that Coming from just saying that might sound like I'm about to tell a very dramatic story. I'm about to tell you a story about going surfing, so, yeah. Um, Last um, summer, I was very, very much looking forward to learning to surf. I've wanted to do it forever since I was a kid. And we always did the, like, the bodyboarding thing, which is fine, like, that's fun, but I wanted the glory of, like, standing up on a surfboard. I just think it looks incredibly cool, and I was so excited, so I'd Google, like, best places for beginners to learn to surf in the UK. And it's all like, Cornwall, Devon, Cornwall, Cornwall, Cornwall. Cornwall's too expensive. So I set off for the very exotic Scarborough. 
so excited about learning to surf. Um, I booked my surf lessons. I'd been practicing for weeks in my room. I Googled, like, what can you do to, like, prep yourself best for surfing? So I'd been, I'd been like, <laughs> if anyone saw me out my window, they would have thought I was insane. Like, lying on the ground as if you're on a surfboard and practicing the, like, jump up you know, the, like, stand-up, like, I'd been practicing that, and I'd been practicing, like, balancing on one leg with your eyes closed, because apparently that's supposed to be good as well, like, I was into it, I was like, I'm going to surf, I'm going to nail it, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to be so cool, I was so excited. So, August comes around, I'm up in Scarborough, it's the day of my lesson, I wander around a bit in the morning going to town, and my lesson's at 1, so naturally I get there at 12, because I'm <laughs> so keen. And I'm talking to the instructor, you're just going to find out how lame I am throughout this whole thing. Um, talking to the instructor, and I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I really want it to happen, like, I really want to stand up. And he's like, no, no worries, like, it's definitely going to happen, don't worry. So we go down to the beach, there's like a few people in our group, and they get us to do that lame thing where you're all on the surfboards, but just in the sand, and you're just practicing, like, the whole, like, jumping up, and everyone else on the beach is like, you're like idiots. And I'm like, just you wait. Just you wait until I'm doing it on the water, and we look so cool. And then we get in the water, um, and we've had a little go, and we've had a little bodyboard, and then I've, like, bottled it a few times, like, going to stand up. So then the instructor guy sees me, and no one in our group has stood up yet. And um, he's like, right, you're going to go first. I was like, ah, yes, yes, I am. He, like, lines me up for a wave, like, pushes me. And he's like, girl, like, paddle, jump. I stand up. I stand up for the most glorious two seconds ever. I'm doing it, I'm nailing it, I'm so cool, and then I fall off <laughs> in the most spectacular fashion into water that's only this deep because we're like baby surfers. And I like seriously injure my foot. Like I land on my foot, on the ball of my foot, and instantly I'm like, I can't walk. This is it, like I've broken my foot, I I'm done. So I like limp out the water and sit on my surfboard and I'm like, I have to sit with my foot in the air to try and I look like such an idiot and then come back into the water because I'm like I'm, I'm not giving up like I've come to surf I will surf get back in no I'm in incredible pain and I should leave so I hobble off dejectedly and return my wetsuit and go to A&E and it's not broken it's just sprained and get a load of painkillers and some like frozen peas and go and sit very sadly back at my B&B, and I'm so devastated. I was really sad. I was like, "Why? I, I only wanted to come to Scarborough to do this. I don't really want to be here. I can't do it. What has happened? And in that moment of genuine physical pain, but also like emotional distress and disappointment, I felt um, Jesus, by his spirit, just say to me, you need to rest. Like, that's what you need. You need rest. And I was realizing that I'd come for a holiday, but I'd planned a lot of things to do, something that would be very active, very tiring, and that wasn't what was best for me, actually. And I was upset, but I knew, I knew who was right. And I saw his provision in it even that in the morning I'd gone into town and I'd bought like seven books. So I was like prepped for the week. So the rest of the week I just sat, painkillers, ice on the foot, and just read books all week. And it turned out well, and I still can't surf, and maybe I will, but <laughs> the lesson was that he knew what was best for me, um, even when I had entirely other plans. And he wasn't going to let me run off and do my other plans, even if he had to let me fall off a surfboard for it to happen. God knows what we need better than we do. He knows we need rest. He's a good father, and he cares for us. And my question for you this evening is, are you a little bit like I was, heading for a kind of emergency stop in your life? 
Are you living at a pace where God's going to have to kind of push you off a surfboard to get you to rest? That's the first part of what this passage talks about, the Sabbath, that is significant to God. The second thing is that it's a sign. So in verse 13 it says, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. And in verse 17 it says, It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. The Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, is a sign between God and his people of their relationship, of the fact that they know one another, of the fact that there's a covenant, a covenant, a promise, an agreement between them. God is saying to them, this is the way you are to live. This is the way to know me, to get to know me and to live with me. This was for them a visible marker and reminder each week that they belonged to him, that they were his people. A little bit like a wedding ring, which symbolizes a relationship, the promise between a husband and a wife. The Sabbath is to be, for God's people, a reminder that they belong to him. God wanted his people to follow in his footsteps. He had set them an example in creation where he worked for six days and then rested. He didn't need to rest, but the word tells us he was rested and refreshed. And he did that in order to set a pattern for them, for how he was going to call them to live. He was giving them here an opportunity to live like him, to live in a way that meant they looked like him, that they followed his rhythm, to follow his routine. Um, when I was writing this earlier, a YouTube video came to mind. Um, it's Vanity Fair YouTube videos where they like interview a celebrity, and it's called like everything so and so does in one day. So the one I've watched is everything Terry Crews does in a day. Has anyone seen this? His days are insane. He gets up at 4:45. He works out. He doesn't eat any food until two. It's like, yeah, an insane, insane day. And um, there's three million people that have watched this YouTube video. So people want to be like Terry Crews because he's funny and great and like hedge fair. But <laughs> we want to be like the people we admire. We want to know like what makes them the way we are. I want to like follow in their footsteps. And in giving us a pattern of six days of work and a day of rest. God has already told us the answer, the secret. This is the way to live like God. This is a way, a routine that he's given us to follow him, to live like him, to look more like him. God himself has given us a plan, a routine. And it's a sign of our relationship with him. We are his chosen people. And because of Jesus, there is a covenant agreement, a promise between the Father and us. The Sabbath is to be for us, like it was the Israelites, a visible marker in our weeks that we are a people who belong to God. We are his. The third thing the passage shows us about the Sabbath is that it is set apart. So it says in verse um, 13, so that you may know I'm the Lord who makes you holy. Verse 14 says, observe the Sabbath because it's holy to you. And in verse 15 it says, for six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. God is holy, and to be holy is to be set apart, to be distinct. Holy means the things belonging to God, the things of him, sacred things. So the Sabbath is a day set apart, belonging to God. 
So the Israelites were commanded to rest from their work and to make space for worship, to get to know God. He had always desired for himself a people, and he wanted a people that didn't look like any other people. He wanted a people who were set apart for his purpose, to know him, and distinct from all the nations around them. And so he built the Sabbath day into their way of life to remind them that that's what they were called to be, that they were called to holiness, to be set apart. Every seven days, they would do things differently from the six days that had gone before, and it would remind them again that they were different. They were set apart, and they acted it out on the Sabbath. And the plan was that if you were to go and visit and walk into the Israelites' camp on the Sabbath, you would be able to tell that it was the Sabbath. It wouldn't feel like any other day. It would feel different. You wouldn't see anyone working in the fields. People would be resting. The animals would be contentedly grazing or away in their barns. There'd be children playing. There'd be the smell of the offerings from the tabernacle, the smell of meat. It would smell good. Um, There'd be uh, maybe the sounds of singing. Maybe they'd be singing the song that they sang when God brought them through the Red Sea. I think it would feel a little bit like a cross between a Spanish siesta, if you've ever been to Spain and the shop's all shut and it goes really quiet for the afternoon, which as a kid just like baffled me and I was like, why can't I get an ice cream? I don't understand (laughs) what's going on. I think it would be a bit of a, a cross between a holy version, a God-focused version of that and like a bank holiday barbecue. So you'd have the meat, you've got people, people are relaxed, it feels different. I think that's what it would have felt like on Sabbath in the camp. And I don't think we're really used to this other than maybe bank holidays or holidays in Spain. Our culture is now 24-7. We've got McDonald's telling us that if we're awake, they're awake. You can go and get a Big Mac whenever you want one, 24 hours. We're not really used to this pattern of work and then rest. We can be entertained at any hour. You can just switch on Netflix. There used to be a time when there was no TV in the middle of the night. I don't know if I remember that time, but I know there was that time. And now (laughs) we can do whatever we want all the time. And that's not the pattern that God's set out for us. He's set out times of work and times of of rest. And I realized that I, I haven't really learned this lesson. It's something that I wanted to um, get my head into that kind of headspace of work time and rest time. Um, and I realized that I've been carrying around my bag, which is my work bag. That was kind of the only bag I ever carried around anywhere, really, seven days a week, which when I'm carrying around my work bag, I accidentally think of work things. Or, you know, it's just got that kind of connotation. So to try and help me like get into a day off Sabbath weekend headspace, I bought myself, and I brought it to show you. Are you ready for a prop? It's exciting. A weekend bag. Yeah, I know. Look at it. Yeah. Yeah, you can afford the weekend bag. Yeah. I'm going to put it on and everything. Look at it. Look. Isn't it fun? (laughs) It's way more fun than my work bag. And that's the point. I bought it so that when I want to go somewhere on one of my days off, I can put it on and instantly know this is a day off. You're supposed to feel different. It's supposed to look different from the other days. That's why I bought a bright yellow, fun-looking little bag, because I want my weekend to be different. I want it to be distinct. I want it to be set apart from my other days. My question for you is, 
If I came to live with you for a week or for a month, would I be able to spot the difference? Would I be able to tell which are your work days and your Sabbaths, when you work and when you rest? Maybe you don't have a bright yellow bag, but would I be able to spot the difference? Or do the days kind of blend into one? This passage shows us that the Sabbath is significant to God, so it's significant to us. It's a sign of the covenant between us and God. And it's set apart, distinct in our week, a holy day for rest and for worship. So God's laid it out really clearly, like this is the best way to live. You should definitely do this. Um, It's not an option and there will be a punishment if you don't. So probably the Israelites are going to like nail it and just, just follow the rules, right? That's what we're all expecting. No. <laughs> Sorry, Israelites. No. They didn't get on very well. They, um, they failed in this. And in Ezekiel chapter 20, we can see that um, when the Israelites have been taken into exile, one of the reasons that happened is because they didn't keep God's Sabbath. It comes up like multiple times in that chapter. Um, it says they desecrated them, in fact. And that was one of the reasons that they were removed from their land. And I think when we're left to our own devices, we don't really do that much better than the Israelites. We're a lot like them. We're not helped by our 24-7 culture. The things like sleeping is cheating. Who said that? I thought that. You don't have to admit to it. It's fine. I said that. Sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Sleep is for the weak. Like, as a culture, we don't like rest or the concept. We've got, like, people who've got a main hustle and a side hustle. You know, people who've got a job, but then they're also, like, selling stuff on Instagram on the side. That's what they do with their spare time. Like, we're kind of obsessed with being busy. It's a thing we, like, humble brag about. Like, oh, yeah, just being so busy. Like, really inside, we're like, I'm super busy. That means I'm super important. It means I'm productive. It means... I'm worth something. We feel pressure to fill our free time with things that are productive. We, if you're like me, love to-do lists and ticking those things off. What we've done is we've confused our work with our worth. We've got things in the wrong order. We feel like if we do more, then we are worth more. We probably wouldn't be able to articulate it. It's going on under the surface. Um, I'm still learning how to do this, by the way, the rest thing. Um, yesterday was my dad's birthday. And a few weeks ago when he said, oh, yeah, you know, my birthday's coming up and I'll be, he like works away from home. But it was like, and I'll be, you know, back home that weekend. And my first thought was like, oh, like, sorry, dad, I'm not going to be able to come. I'm um, preaching on the Sunday night. So, you know, that, that day I'm going to be really busy. I'm going to be working on the preach. So I'm, I'm really sorry. He's like, oh, no, don't, like, don't worry. Um, that's fine. Uh, I came away and like a few days later was convicted that how on earth could I stand up and talk about the Sabbath having spent my Sabbath prepping the talk about the Sabbath (laughs) and not even just a normal Sabbath but my dad's birthday, right? (laughs) So you'd be pleased to know I did not work on this preach yesterday. It definitely would have been technically a better preach if I'd have worked on it yesterday, like no doubt it would have been. Um, 
And that's one of the things with choosing to rest is that it, feel, it does feel like there's a cost, and potentially there is a cost. Um, maybe you're in a situation where you, you do feel that pressure of having to work multiple jobs, or you do uni and a job, or um, you've just got kind of demands on your time from family or from friends, and it just seems like there's nothing that you'd be able to drop without a cost to you, without making less money or without letting someone down. But I want to say that it is worth it, and it is a priority of God's, and it should be a priority for us. The good news for us as we try and figure this out is that we have not been left to our own devices. We're not going to fail like the Israelites. The Sabbath is not going to be a burden for us and something that we can't live up to. The Sabbath, as well as a great routine and a right way to live, was a shadow of the things to come. When Jesus came, he said he was the Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees, the religious rulers at the time, challenged him because his actions didn't seem to be very religious on the Sabbath. He um, healed people and um, was in a grain field once and was collecting some, well, his disciples were collecting some tiny little bits of grain. Um, and they challenged him and they told him he didn't understand and he said, He's the Lord of the Sabbath, and that the Sabbath was made for man and not the other way around. So what Jesus speaks over us this evening isn't a burden or heavy restrictions or a list of do's and don'ts of what you can do on your day off, but he's saying he is where we can find true rest. He um, says in Matthew that, he said, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He'll not leave us to figure this out on our own. He's calling us into true rest in him, in relationship with him. Ro, do you want to come up? We're looking at the story of Exodus and how the people of God have been delivered and brought into relationship with him. The Father is now writing for us our own Exodus story. We are the people of God. We are his children, even. Where we've been oppressed or in slavery to striving, to busyness, to endless to-do lists, to pressure to money worries. He has delivered us, if we know him. He longs to provide for us and teach us who he is and how we are to live well with us. He's drawn us out of our slavery to endless busyness, to draw us in to rest through Jesus. I just want to share with you the final thing before we um, sing about the most restful day I experienced um, in October. And I think I went into it um, a bit confused about what would be restful for me. Um, so I often think that rest would be just like vegging out, stick something on Netflix, just don't move for a few hours, like don't have to talk to anyone. But um, this day I had a real urge to be outside and to go for a walk. And so I drove up to the Peak District 
And I went for a walk in one of my favourite places. Um, I went for a walk up Mam near um, Castleton. And it was the most refreshing day. The sun was shining. My favourite thing that happens there is people are like paragliding off the hills. And the birds were singing. There weren't very many people. And I got to walk and clear my head and be outside. And I got to sing out loud to Jesus walking around in beautiful countryside. And it was honestly so restful and refreshing. And I, was, I had another day off work after that, and then I came back to work. And it felt like I was coming up from underwater. I was so refreshed. I was so... Everything had been slowed down. People's voices sounded further away. It felt like way more restful than any 24-hour period could have been. And I say that not to say, oh, wow, I had a really restful day one time. But it gave me faith for what God can do with 24 hours where we lay other things down and focus on him. And I wanted to share it to increase your faith where it might be a difficult decision to try and build in a Sabbath where things feel busy. He can use it and bless it in a way that's supernatural and doesn't make sense for just 24 hours. And that's what I think he wants to start doing with us.